Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Hallelujah. We sang those last two songs at Breakthrough, and they were so powerful, I asked Jason to do them tonight. And uh, it just so happens they really line up with uh, what God spoke to me about tonight. So first of all, I need to make an announcement because Pastor John threatened me if I forgot he was going to throw something at me. Ha-ha, I told on you. Um, <clears throat> next Wednesday, we will not have service. Next Wednesday, no service. I'm going to say it one more time. Next Wednesday, no service. Huh? What What her say? So make sure that um, you share the wealth of information I just told you with those that are not here. Next Wednesday, no service, okay? All right. So tonight, um, I want to minister a sermon that actually the Holy Spirit has been really dropping tidbits in me for a couple of years about. Um, and the title of the sermon is Crown of Glory. Crowns of Glory. Um, <clears throat> 2020... I'm going to say it, has been kind of a crazy year. Amen? I don't know if you disagree with that or not, but I think you're kind of crazy if you do. Um, and some of us can actually say that it's probably been the worst year we've seen. I know some of you that have lived a few years, <clears throat> maybe longer than me, would say that you've seen some crazier years. I imagine there's some of you that have. But I think most of us would agree that this has been a pretty crazy year. And many students of end-time prophecy have probably had a lot of fun studying some stuff this year. But as believers in Greece, in, wow, as believers in Jesus Christ, we know how it turns out in the end. Amen? We are always victorious no matter what the enemy tries to throw at us, no matter what he tries to tell us, we always win. Always, always, no matter what. So Pastor John just finished an incredible sermon series this weekend. And I know most of us um, are really sorry to see that series end. And I know the next one's going to be awesome, but that series was really powerful. And it was such a great series, encouraging ourselves in the Lord to teach us um, how to not lose our focus. No matter what is going on in our lives, how to not lose our focus and how to trust our awesome God, knowing who he is, knowing that he is always for us and that he is always in control. That no matter what is going on around us, no matter what is swirling in the world, no matter what hell is throwing, God is always good and he is always in control. And so the thought for this sermon, like I said, it's been developing for quite a while and God's really brought it full circle for me. And, um, when I say the word crown, most of us think of like royalty. I had some silly pictures and I just decided to delete them. But you know, we think like a king or queen crown. I had like the, I, some of you, I'm going to date myself here. You remember the imperial margarine commercial, da, 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 you know, and the, and the silly crowns and stuff. I had some silly stuff like that. I thought, ah, I'm not going to mess with that. But I mean, that's kind of some of the connotation you know, we think of. We think of like a king's crown or something like that. And that's not wrong because there are king and queen crowns and princess crowns and tiaras and those kinds of things. So um, when I say the, the word crown and we think of royalty, it's not a wrong connotation. 
But in when again, and Pastor Howie has shared this, both of us are kind of students where we like to study, um, do word studies. And Pastor Alex has done it, Pastor John, Pastor Harry. Um, we love to study word studies in the scripture because oftentimes what happens when you study the word of God, you read it and you read the English version because most of us are English speakers. But what happens when you read it in English, sometimes you lose some of the meaning because the ancient languages that it was written in, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the Greek, they're such rich languages that when it's translated into English, sometimes you lose some of the meaning. So when you read the word crown, sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean, like when you read crown, you think royal crown. Well, that may mean that, or it may mean something different. It may not mean royal crown, it may mean something else. And so in the case of the New Testament, um, most of it was written in Greek. And I can tell you that not all of where it says the word crown means a royal crown, like a tiara or a kingly crown. And so I don't remember what initially triggered this thought in me, but <clears throat> over the course of a couple of years, I've kind of been dabbling in this, studying it out, um, journaling some thoughts as God has spoken to me or as I've heard a sermon or um, done a word study. And so I've been slowly kind of chewing on this thought. And um, the word crown, meaning royal crown, is used three times in the New Testament only three and it is the word diadema or diadema the greek word and it does mean um kingly crown and it's only three times and all three times are in the book of revelation and in revelation 12 3 and 13 1 it refers to god defeating evil that god the king rules and reigns over evil and in revelation 19 12 it describes Jesus wearing a royal crown because he's defeated evil. And so he's overcome evil through his, the work of the cross and then raising from the dead. And he is now seated um, as a king in heaven. And then in 1 Peter 2.9, it doesn't say crown, but it talks about royalty. And it says about us, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And that word royal is literally royalty. So here's what Jesus did for us. He paid the price. He went to the cross, completely sinless, paid for our sins, died on the cross as a perfect sacrifice, went to heaven, wore a royal crown, now wears a royal crown for us, and now we're called royalty because of him. So he paid a price for us, and now we get to wear a royal crown. As kings and priests and queens and royalty, we are now a royal family because of what Jesus did. So it is a total gift from God. It's nothing we could earn. It's nothing we could have bought for ourselves. Even if we had attempted to live sinless, we were not able in and of ourselves to do it. And so Jesus paid that price for us and he handed us the, the title of royalty. He gave that to us as a gift. Completely nothing we could have done for ourselves. So we are royalty because of Jesus, period. Nothing we could have done for ourselves. So the second definition of um, crown is used six times more. It's used 18 times in the New Testament. It is used eight times in Revelation, and it is 
a symbolic crown of glory or crown of life. It is used several times in, in Revelation. It is used four times in the gospel. And this is amazing to me. The four times that it is used in the gospel, it is the crown of thorns. Okay, so they put a crown of thorns on Jesus's head to mock him as the king of the Jews. So they meant it to mock his royalty, but it actually was a victor's crown. That's how the scripture refers to it, as a victor's crown. So it was really God saying he actually wore a victor's crown. He won victory for us. We talked about that in the, we sang about that in that song tonight that we have a victor's crown, that he's our champion. He went to the cross for us and he, he bought a royal crown for us, but he also bought a victor's crown for us. And that victor's crown has the connotation of the ancient Greek games. It's like a head wreath of a victor. So it is not a royal crown, it's a victor's crown. And Jesus bought that for us in the gospels. It's so crazy. But the crown of thorns that they mocked him about royalty literally is a victor's crown, that he won that for us, okay, on the cross. The other six times that that word Stephanos is used are in the epistles, in the letters that Paul or the other disciples wrote to the churches. In 1 Corinthians 9, it's compared to a corruptible crown that the world pursues, like the Greek games, the ancient Greek games, to an incorruptible crown that doesn't perish. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul declares that it's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. In James 1, it encourages us that we are blessed when we endure trials because we will receive the crown of life. And then in 1 Peter 5, 4, it describes, quote, an unfading crown of glory. Okay, so all of those are talking about a victor's crown, okay, that Jesus bought for us. He's done so much for us, church. He has done so much for us. Life can be so challenging, but eternity is going to be awesome. So these are crowns that are given to us, again, by Christ, because we endure because we endure the trials, because we are victorious through them, and but they are not because we're all that awesome. They're because Christ has given us tools. He has empowered us and enabled us to survive this world, not just survive it, not just endure it, but overcome it because he gave us a victor's crown, because he survived, he remained sinless, and he went to the cross, and then he said, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to empower you to be overcomers. And then I'm going to give you a crown of righteousness. I'm going to give you an incorruptible crown that doesn't perish. I'm going to give you a crown of life. And I'm going to give you an unfading crown of glory. I'm giving you all of that. I'm giving you the ability to survive this life, to be overcomers. And then I'm going to give you the crown that comes with that. So isn't he incredible, church? He gives us all the ability we need to survive and overcome and live victorious, and then he rewards us for that. I mean, what an incredible God. So he equips us. You know, Pastor John, in his sermon series, and I asked him today to write this down for me so that I could articulate it well. He gave us a list of tools, okay? First of all, getting alone with God. Where we have the alone time with God, where we connect with him, and, and the, we're free of distractions. Practicing the presence. Remember, he talked about Brother Lawrence saying that I cannot pick up a piece of straw 
without God enabling me to do it. I cannot do anything, the simplest of tasks, without God helping me. Meditation of the word, reading and thinking about and pondering how that word can equip me and change me and help me live my life. We need the word of God, church. We need that in our lives. Remembering his works and his faithfulness. Remember David, the way he beat Goliath, the way he was empowered is he looked back at the lion and the bear when God helped him defeat the lion and the bear. And he said, and Saul said to him, you're not going to beat this guy. And David says, by God, I am. God gave me the lion. God gave me the bear. God's going to give me this uncircumcised Philistine. He remembered back to a time that God said, you are victorious. I'm going to let you knock that bear out and get that sheep right out of his mouth. And that might have been a small thing. I don't think it was such a small thing. Knocking out a bear or knocking out a lion, knocking him out, killing him, whatever you got to do. That was a big thing. But that was a smaller thing than knocking out a 12 or 13 foot giant. And David remembered back. So remembering his works worshiping his glory we know what worship does we've experienced recently corporate worship some incredible times in the lord but we also have to have those privately in private times with the lord we need that and then finally praying in the holy spirit because there are times pastor john shared this weekend there are times when you don't even know what to say sometimes it's so overwhelming you don't even have the words to speak and we pray in the holy spirit we pray in tongues and we say god i don't even know what to say but but god knows what to say the holy spirit knows what to say and we can ask him to help us and we just pray we pray in the holy spirit and he helps us pray what an incredible god we serve we sometimes we don't even have to have the words but he knows how to pray and so all of these things but remember that vision that he shared that it was a man, a shadow of a man, and he felt, he felt by the Spirit of God that it was him sitting there, and he was so overwhelmed, and these vines were coming and wrapping themselves on him, and he's hacking at them with a machete-type tool, and all the tools that God gave him, and he's hacking at the vines, and he's hacking at them, and the harder he hacked, the fiercer they became, the harder they went at him, and then he finally felt like if he released the, the battle and the fierceness, and he just released and let God be God, the presence of God came in like a flood, and immediately those things receded, and so while the tools are valuable, they are not the end-all, be-all, What's the, what's the equipping, what, what is the absolute bomb thing that's going to get it done is the presence of God. And so we have to learn to release and rest in who God is. Yes, the tools are vital and we use them, but we don't look to them as the source. The source is still who God is. And so we allow God to be who he is. We recognize that he gifts us. He gifts those things to us, that he is our source. He will always be the one that equips us. And he says, I am empowering you to be victorious, but it is never going to be in your strength. You cannot look to the tools. There's a um, story in the Old Testament and the children of Israel desperately needed healing. And God said, take the serpent, lift it up on the pole, and when my people look at it, they'll be healed. Typical of um, human beings, they began to worship the serpent on the stick. It's like, no, no, don't look at the tool as the end-all, be-all. That's not the answer. That's just a snake on a stick. 
that is not what's healing you. I'm just giving you something to look at to remember that I'm the one that's going to heal you. But we do that. We look to the tools. Don't look to the tools. We got to look to God. He's the one that's going to bring it. So the Stephanos, those are the four times where, again, God is handing us a victor's crown. But it's interesting. And here's the, the third way that God, that we have a crown. It is still the word Stephanos, but again, it's interesting how scripture just, even the same word has another meaning. It's so rich. The word of God is so rich. I really encourage you. Um, I'm kind of a, a, a scripture word geek. I don't know how else to put it. I just love digging in and studying the words. Strong's Concordance, if you don't have one, get it online, get it somehow, and study out. It's just so fun to, I don't know, sorry, I'm a geek. I just love it. And just getting in there and digging in because even the word Stephanos has multiple meanings. And that word, the two other times that it's used in the epistles are different from the other four times. So here's where, here I'm going to give this to you. Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. And then in 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20, it says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Paul is describing people. That is the Stephanos. In Philippians, he said, I love and long for you, my brothers, whom I love. And in Thessalonians, he says, what is our hope? joy or crown of boasting is it not you he is describing people that he has relationship with people he has impacted with his life and ministry he is not talking about um, a future crown he is not talking about a crown that is um, you know an untouchable thing an eternal thing I mean it is eternal but he's talking about people that he loves, people that he has impacted with his life and ministry. Church, people are our reward. They are our crown. Not anything this world has to offer. There is nothing in this world that is worth anything. It will disappear and it is empty and without promise. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That, wor that word world is cosmos in the Greek, and that means earth. Now think about that. Does that mean that Jesus died for this sod heap that we live on? No. That word world also means the inhabitants of. It's not just the world, the cosmos, the, the universe. It means the inhabitants Jesus died for the inhabitants of the earth. Jesus died a horrible death. He didn't come here to suffer and die for a sod heap. 
He came and suffered and died for people. What does God value most? God values people. And not perfect people, because there's no such thing. He actually died for ungodly people, and thank God, because we all were. And until we got saved, we were all ungodly. Romans 5.8, I love it in the Passion Translation. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Thank God, amen? While we were still lost and ungodly. Thank God. Because I don't know about you. I do, kind of, but I don't know about you. I was pretty lost and ungodly. And I was in desperate need. Pastor Alex, last time he preached, he shared being absolutely desperate, absolutely lost. And he just said, I mean, he was in such a bad way in little old Flagstaff, Arizona, in a dilapidated, really, really nasty little trailer and just so desperate. And he said, God, you know, send somebody. I, 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 I'm so lost. And God did send somebody. And he was wretched and he knew it. And God sent somebody. Why? Because God was just, you know, wanting to have a good laugh at this wretched hippie that, you know, God wanted a good laugh. No, because he loved him. Because he loved him. He was ungodly and wretched. And God's not walking around looking for perfect people. Thank God. And so, you know, there's a story of a man in the New Testament. His name was Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was kind of a, a short guy, and he was pretty wretched. He was a tax collector. And uh, tax collectors in the New Testament were really, really hated guys. Let me tell you, they were hated. Um, they were considered really wretched guys. And what they were, were they were Jews, but they were um, the guys that collected taxes for the Romans. They were not liked well. They were considered traitors. Um, and what they often did was they collected taxes for the Romans, but the Romans let them collect as much as they wanted. So they would collect as much as they could get away with. They would collect the taxes, and then they would collect extra to pocket. So they stole a lot of money from their own people, the Jews. So they were hated. So if you were a tax collector, you were basically a thief. And Zacchaeus is referred to as a chief tax collector. So he was a chief thief. He was not a well-liked man at all, not looked at in a favorable light at all. So in the book of Luke, the, the story tells about when he encounters Jesus. And he's been waiting to see Jesus. He really wants to see him. But he's short, and the crowds are thick, so he climbs up a tree. All right, so we're going to pick up where Jesus in, uh, encounters him. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. If, if, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. All right, so the timeline of this scripture, you follow this story. 
Jesus did not look up. Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was. He didn't look up at that tree and say, Hey, Zacchaeus, you wretched thief, get your rear end down here because we got some stuff to talk about. He didn't look up at him and say, You are a dog. You are a betrayer of your own people. Uh, we got a reckoning to do, Zacchaeus. Come here, I got some writing in the sand to do. I got some things to talk to you about, brother. He didn't call him names. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house today. Jesus was always accused of hanging out with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. He was always accused of that. Why? Because Jesus knew it was the, it was the broken and the, and the poor and the sick that needed him. He didn't come to fix the already fixed, which we really know that the already fixed were not. They just wouldn't acknowledge that they weren't, that they were just as broken or more so, but they wouldn't acknowledge it because of their pride. Zacchaeus knew he was wretched. He so desperately wanted to connect with Jesus. The crowd hated him. But Jesus looked up and said, I'm coming to your house today. And he just scurried down that tree with great joy because Jesus acknowledged him and honored him by coming to his home. And Zacchaeus' immediate response was, Lord, I repent. I'm giving half of what I have to the poor. And we can look at that and go, yeah, right. You know, if I've stolen, it's like, if really? I mean, that was my first when I read this verse, like if, what do you mean if? Dude, I mean, we know who you are. We know what you did. If, but Jesus says, this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Jesus didn't question his heart. He acknowledged him. He gave him honor and Zacchaeus responded to that. Romans 2, 4, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Church, the kindness of God draws people to him. And we are called to show that to the world. We are called to be, if you'll pardon the, the phrase, Jesus with skin on. We're called to be those that demonstrate the love of God so that when people look at us, they see Jesus. They're drawn to God and his love. They want what we have because it's lovely, because it's something they want. They're wretched in their heart without God. Do you remember what you felt like before you knew Jesus? How awful it was? How just desperate you felt without him? No matter how good you were, you were without God. That's an emptiness that we can't even describe. And everyone out there that doesn't have Jesus has that. And they may be angry and, you know, I have a cousin and several of the people in my circle know about my cousin Jimmy. And my cousin Jimmy has been on and off social media for years. And, and I won't go into big detail, but basically it's because he has battled severe depression his whole life. Um, anyway, so it's just been, but he is such a mocker of anything, God. He's such a mocker. And he has posted things that has actually, it's like stunned me. And um, he, he found me on Facebook a few years ago. 
and he posted some stuff and I, I mean, it kind of caught my breath. I'm like, whoa. And even my sister, who's not a believer, we were raised Catholic, so we were raised with kind of a reverence and a respect, but she's not a believer. And she said to me, she goes, whoa, one day. She goes, did you see what Jimmy put on Facebook? I said, yeah. And she goes, wow, man, he really needs to watch that. And she's not even safe. She didn't like, but she was like, I think he's really pushing the envelope. And so even the non-believer was stunned at what he put. And so I was ready. I was, and I just told him, I said, I'm probably going to unfriend him because I, I just, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to see that. And so I was ready to unfriend him and the Holy Spirit stopped me. And he goes, no, don't do that. He needs to hear what you post. He needs to see. He needs to, you're Jesus for him. He needs to hear about me. I want you to testify and witness to him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord. He's, he's like, Lord, I don't, I don't like what he's saying about you. And God said to me, he goes, I can defend myself. Thank you. I'm, I, I know what Jimmy thinks of me. I know what Jimmy says. I see it. I got this. I can handle it. I don't need you to defend me. I got it. I want you to testify to him. Jimmy needs me. And so I was like, okay. You know, I, 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 I didn't want to do it. I'll be honest with you. I didn't like. I mean, it was really, some of it was really wretched, like really, really sacrilegious and mocking God. And so I began to pray and ask God to give me opportunity. And I have had so many opportunities. And he, of course, has mocked. And he's, you know, like one time I told him, I said, I messaged him. I haven't done this publicly because I haven't wanted it to be embarrassing. And I messaged him one day and I said, you know, Jimmy, I said, for a guy who doesn't believe in God, you sure post an awful lot about him. I said, you talk an awful lot about a God that you say you don't believe in. And I said, I really think, Jimmy, that, you know, you're hurt. And I said, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And I said, um, God's pursuing you. <laughs> so, of course, he, he's very intelligent. So he keyed on that. And he wrote back and he went, ha, 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 ha. I really needed that laugh. I didn't know that God was a stalker. <laughs> That's what he responded. And I wrote back and I said, you have no idea. And I said, I'm praying for you. I just want you to know. And so um, after Jeff died, he wrote me a note and he sent me money. And um, he just said, I want you to know that I love you so much. All the years and all the distance has not changed that. And so here's a guy that hates, supposedly, hates everything that I love and hates everything I believe in. And yet his, his love and his compassion for me he, he has a soft heart. He's just so hurt and so broken. And my obedience to the Holy Spirit and my willingness to get over myself, my willingness to get over my desire to lash out at him, I got over myself and I chose to be Jesus to him. And God was able to use that. And I know he even contacted my sister. He didn't contact me directly. And he asked, he goes, is Rosemary okay? And she said to him, she said, well, family, our family is very supportive of her. And she goes, but you wouldn't believe, Jimmy. She has such a deep faith, and she has such an incredible support system through her church. You would be amazed at the church family that she has and how supportive and how awesome they are. And he's like, okay, you know, and so he didn't. He didn't mock it, he didn't, but he is getting testified to and witnessed to because I chose to obey God. And so in that church, what I'm saying is 
there are those in the national arena, whether it's political or otherwise, there are those that we look at, and I'm not even going to say the names, because I know God is putting people on your mind right now by the Spirit of God. There are people in your life personally, directly. There are people in your life in the national arena that you just, what you'd rather do is just knock them out because they just annoy the daylights out of you. And we all have those people in our lives or, you know, in the public arena. Whoever they are, whatever they do, they annoy us. They differ with us politically. They differ with us religiously. They differ with us in all kinds of ways. And they, they drive us crazy. But I'm telling you, they need Jesus. And we have a calling to love them and pray for them. Because can you imagine? Hell thinks it's one. Hell thinks, yep, I got this one. But Jesus died for that one. And can you imagine the glory of taking that crown into eternity with us? Taking that soul back away from hell and taking that soul back with us into eternity, into heaven. And Jesus getting that crown in heaven with him for eternity. The glory that would come with that because we got over ourselves and said, I love you enough, Lord. I know how much this soul means to you. I know that you love this person. And I don't like them very much. I don't like who they are. I don't like what they say. I don't like what they believe. But I know that you love them. They may be ungodly, but so was I. And you loved me enough to look past who I was because you loved me and you chose to die for me in my most wretched state. And you did that for them. And I choose to love with your love. I'm asking you, Lord, to help me love the way you love. And it's so powerful, church. It is so powerful when we choose to get over ourselves and allow God to use us to love as he loves. Think about it. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Again, we do not do this in our own strength and our own power. We don't. We can't. It is, it is not in us to do it ourselves. But think about some of us this year has been really, really hard on. Most of us this year has been really hard on. Can you imagine how hard it's been on people that don't know Jesus? It's been really difficult knowing Jesus intimately. It's been a struggle for most of us. Can you imagine what a desperate struggle it's been for those that don't know Jesus, how desperately lonely it's been, how horribly, um, like like the despair that people must feel that don't know Jesus, the fear and the, the unknown and, you know, just all of that's come with this, what they must feel. And so we need to be a testimony of the glory of God and all the things that he can be, the hope that we have in Christ. They need to see that in us so that they know that there's something more than this world. My God, if this is all there is, can you imagine the despair that that brings? So, Jason, if you're here in here, if you'll come up, I want to end the service with that song, Build My Life. Um, I just want to sing that song together. Um, And you can sit in your seat, you can come down here, you can stand however you want to do it but I'm going to ask you as we sing this song that you would make it a prayer that you would ask God to help you do this 
um, in your life, that, that you would ask God that he is worthy of every song. He is worthy of every breath, that he has given us all of these things. He has given us these crowns. He's gifted us with a royal crown. We are royalty because of who Jesus is. We are victorious because of who Jesus is. He's given us these things. And so now we can give him crowns because he has enabled us to walk as royalty. He has enabled us to walk as victors. So now let's offer him those crowns that we can of the souls of men and women as we honor him with our lives and bring crowns with us into eternity. Amen. He's worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, we love you so much. God, that we, we would honor you with our lives, God. And love people that you died for. And bring you glory through our lives, God. God, we surrender our lives to you. That your presence would go with us everywhere that we go, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, God. Worthy of every. Jesus. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of every praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Yes, God Yes, God Oh, Jesus Jesus, the name above every other name Yes, God Jesus, the only one who could ever say Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you Holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes and wonder Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me worldly there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes and wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me oh and i will build and i will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation i will put my trust in you alone and i will not be shaken i will build my life 
upon your love It is a firm foundation I will put my trust in you alone And I will not be shaken Holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes and wonder Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes and wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Thank you, Jesus. God, as we go from this place tonight, Lord, I pray that every person in this place would be a testimony of your glory, God, that your love would be the foundation of our life, Lord. And Lord, when we're feeling challenged about people in our lives, when we're feeling challenged about people, Lord God, that, you, that your love would be that firm foundation, Lord, that it would be the foundation of our lives, that you would help us, Lord, to look back and remember what you did for us, God, when we were without you, wretched and despicable and ungodly, God, and you loved us in it. You loved us in spite of it, Lord. Help us to remember who we were without you, Lord, and then love those who are without you no matter what their life is, that we will love them because you love them, God. Help us to demonstrate your love, God, by your power, God, your power and your love alone. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for what you did for us and how much you love us, God. Help us to be that. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good, church? He's so good. God, he's so good. He's so good. You're released tonight. You are released. Remember, no church next Wednesday, but there is church Sunday. And I don't know what Pastor John's cooked up, but it's sure to be good stuff. So you don't want to miss it. We love you. God bless you. Have a great evening. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.